Hello, everyone, and inside today's episode of Locked On Canadians, Sean Monaghan is nearing a return on a lengthy Canadians road trip. What does that mean for the team and for Sean Monaghan himself? The Canadians obviously are facing a very long road trip, one game at home, and then another long road trip. We're going to break down what that means for the tank and development, all coming up in that. And then in the last segment, college free agents are starting to declare whether or not they're going to sign with teams. Does Kent Hughes have his eye on someone? I think he should. All that and more inside today's episode. Locked on Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 786 of Locked On Canadians. We are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day. You can find us wherever you get your daily podcasts. And if you're watching on YouTube and seeing my shining face, thank you for subscribing. Make sure you ring the bell to get notified every single time we go live or there is a new episode posted, usually midnight, the night after a game, unless it's on the West Coast and the games end at but o'clock. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matla. Normally, I would be joined by my co-host, the active stick, Laura Saba. Uh, she has been given the night off by decree of me because I said so, and we're going to leave it at that. We've got a jam-packed episode here for you. We've got returns to the lineup soon. We've got nine games on the road coming up here, and we've got NCAA free agency rumor season, which is actually one of my Fast becoming one of my favorite things in the world because sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. And there you have the facts of being an NHL GM. Let's jump into the good things right now. Canadians have not gotten a lot of good injury news as of late. Obviously, Arbor Jacki and Slavkovsky and Caden Gooley and Jake Evans and et cetera, and et cetera, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Two years running now. They are going to lead the league in man games lost again this season, which is just a bonker stat when you consider how bad it was last year as well. But uh, with the team preparing to leave for Carolina for the first game of a four-game road trip here, and we will get to that and the West Coast swing coming up in our second segment, they got good news. Sean Monaghan will be traveling with the team. He is the only injured player currently who will not be left behind. So Joel Edmondson will be staying behind. Arbor Jack, I will be staying behind. Caden Gooley and Uri Slavkovsky and Cole Caulfield, etc. Guys like that are staying back in Montreal right now. Sean Monahan is joining the team on this trip with the caveat. Yes, Sean Monahan is back about as close to back as he can be without being in the lineup. He is not expected to play the first two games of this road trip, which are against Carolina and Toronto. That is Thursday. So the day you were listening to this episode and Saturday against Toronto. It's going to be tough, and we're going to get into that in the next segment, but I don't mind not rushing him back. After that is New Jersey, another very tough team, very high-scoring, high-pressure situation. And then Friday, Saturday, the 24th and 25th, you play the Flyers in Philadelphia, and you go home and you play the Senators. If I'm looking, if he is up to it and he is actually good to play, I look at that Philadelphia game and I go, you're going to play Philadelphia. You're not going to play Ottawa. You're going to get one game under there. And then we're when we go out West, then you're going to play as a regular back-to-back after being off for that long is a tough spot. 
So now the question becomes, where do you put Sean Monahan in this lineup? Because I look at the forward groups here. I'm on daily faceoff behind me. Rafael Harripinar, Nick Suzuki, Josh Anderson playing well, playing very well. Evgeny Dodonov, Kirby Doc, Mike Hoffman. Maybe not as flashy, but the points and assists are there. Kirby Doc is really starting to come into his own as a forward, uh, as a center here. Third line, Yol Armia, Christian Dvorak, Jonathan Drouin. Don't change anything on this line. This line is somehow the one that is working the most effectively as of late. Yes, it was Chicago. And yes, it was, you know, the Islanders, but also they cooked the Oilers as well. So I say maybe leave that line alone. And then the fourth line, Michael Bazetta, Alex Bazio, and Jesse Ullinen. Ironically, also not a line I would touch, but I think Monahan's return signals the end of an emergency recall for one of these forwards. And Harvey Pinard, Belzio, and Yelonen are here on emergency recall, I believe, right now. I don't think Yelonen's going to be the one going down, and Harvey Pinard's playing too well on that top line to send him down as well. My thought is, and I know people aren't going to like this because it's a very fun story, and admittedly, it is. I'm rooting for this. Alex Belzil is probably the odd man out here. And now the hard part becomes who plays center on the fourth line then because he's the one playing center there. You're not going to put Monaghan on the fourth line, at least not right away. But at the same time, I wonder if he's there and they just kind of, you know, slide the other wingers in and Monaghan. It's basically three rotating lines with three floating pieces here. A nine, seven, or nine, six, you know, lineup with floating pieces. Because Sean Monaghan, we knew, had a lot of chemistry with Kirby Doc early on. And my thought is maybe you move Evgeny Dodonov around here, which, okay, he's playing better as of late, but Doc and Monaghan played really well together earlier in the season. And my other thought is, do you put Sean Monaghan on that top line to help take some of the defensive pressure off of Nick Suzuki? And you move Josh Anderson around somewhere, even though they're starting to play really well. Monaghan, a lot like Harvey Pennard, I think, sees the game very well and knows where to be. I'm just wondering where they put him in this lineup right now. I think he's going to be one of their lead penalty killers, and I don't think anyone would be surprised by that because... According to Daily Faceoff, the top penalty kill unit is Christian Dvorak, Michael Pozzetta, Matheson, Savard. Second penalty kill is Suzuki, Doc, Harris, Kovacevic. I don't know about you, and I like Michael Pozzetta. Michael Pozzetta penalty killer, maybe not so much, but I wonder where he fits in here because, or if there's something else in the works that's going to free up a spot. I don't think there's anything imminent with the Canadians. There's been no smoke anywhere, which probably means there's something happening right now while I am recording this on uh, Wednesday night. And as I check Twitter in the background, uh, no one is panicking. So no, there is nothing currently going on. I think Sean Monaghan coming back is good news for the Canadians who one want to be able to get assets for a guy they were paid to take on, which absolutely I would love for Sean Monahan to come back and get flipped for more picks and prospects at the deadline. That's what we brought him in for. And I know people are really wanting to see him play because he quickly endeared himself to this fan base. And honestly, no one is surprised by that. I'm very curious where he fits in now, though, because the line seemed to found some cohesiveness. Admittedly, not against top competition. They've got top competition coming up and... Coming up in our next segment here, we're going to break down what that top competition looks like, who it is, and how the Canadians could come out of this road trip with at least their dignity intact. All that's coming up in our next segment. But first, today's show is brought to you by our friends at 
FanDuel Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook in America. And if you haven't used FanDuel before, guess what? It's a great time to be a new customer because if you sign up now, you can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000, and there's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. All you got to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And with the NBA in full swing post-trade deadline, you can bet on everything from money line to point scores to threes drained in a game. Obviously, the NBA is a wild, unpredictable league. There's good, there's something in there for everybody. And guess what? You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss this chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the nba and us at locked on and as always please make sure you are betting on sports responsibly so the canadians are on a three-game winning streak that's fun and i know a lot of people are like oh but the tank and they are what do we do it's like you you shut up and enjoy the good parts because i'm going to read to you their next let's see here I think this is 10 games. I'm not, I was never very good at math here at Carolina at Toronto at New Jersey at Philadelphia versus Ottawa at San Jose at LA at Anaheim at Vegas returning home versus Carolina, New York, New Jersey, Colorado. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games in there against teams in playoff positions. And there are a couple of repeats in there, obviously. And against teams out of playoff positions that I don't expect to creep in there, there is one, two, three, four. If they manage to win four of these 13 games, that's the expectation potentially. And the game against Ottawa is a toss-up because every game against Ottawa is a toss-up. It's a very tough schedule, and I know people were like, but they're winning games and getting too many points. Their March, because after that game against Colorado on Monday, March 13th, at Pittsburgh, at Florida, at Tampa, home versus Tampa, at Boston, versus Columbus, at Buffalo, at Philly, versus Florida, versus Carolina, versus Detroit, versus Washington, at Toronto, at New York, Islanders, versus Boston at home. That's about as brutal a schedule as you can possibly get to end the year. And don't forget, the trade deadline is March 3rd. So they are playing, and I don't know why they play on trade deadline day. It's very dumb, and I don't like it at all. There should be no games on trade deadline day. That's a rant for another time. I'm not worried about the Canadians potentially finishing in the bottom five here because their schedule alone dictates that they might do that. They might sneak an odd point here or there, but I look at their March schedule And after they get back from that West Coast swing ending in Vegas on Sunday, March 5th, I'm not anticipating much like good fortune for them. Like maybe Florida, they can snag a point off of maybe Um, Columbus is a toss up. Philadelphia is in there again. It's a who knows kind of thing. But looking at this upcoming week here, Carolina, Toronto, New Jersey in a row, three, their three next games. That's a brutally tough schedule. New Jersey, for all their flaws, and despite missing Jack Hughes, are still a better team currently than the Montreal Canadiens are. Do I think the Canadiens are better than the last game they played against the Devils, where they got absolutely destroyed? Yes. I think that was just throw that game in the trash and forget about it. It's a It was a learning experience. 
Carolina's a team that I think is just built to give the Canadians fits. The Habs will hang around a little bit, but unless their goaltender has an off night, I don't see good things for them. Ironically, out of those three games, Toronto is the one that I'm struggling with the most because the fan in my heart goes, they've beaten Toronto twice. Toronto's clearly been the better team, but Montreal's been a thorn in their paw for most of the last couple years. And that games Toronto is expected to win, and they play Chicago tonight on Wednesday, largest favorites in the NHL. It, I, I can't help but think, is Toronto going to fumble the bag? Because they they played Toronto after Cole Caulfield was announced done for the season and then beat Toronto. And yeah, Austin, Austin Matthews played in that game. And that is, I think, going to be the difference here. Austin Matthews is back in the Leafs lineup. That makes it a lot scarier for the Canadians, who are now missing a lot of top forwards and another top defenseman and can't really stay out of the box. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that is. Philadelphia is a little bit of a reprieve. But at the same time, the Flyers are one of those teams that gives the Canadians fits sometimes. This game goes one of two ways. Blowout in either direction, 3-2 game that ends in like the five that ends with a like last chance push from one of the teams that was up 3-1 into the final minutes. And then Ottawa on the 25th, which is just going to be a garbage festival. There's no Arbor Jack Eye, which uh, as of right now, which you know then the Senators are going to take advantage of that because that is who they are as a team and as a franchise. They're going to run everybody in that game because it's just Michael Pozzetta and he can only fight so many times before he's got to go sit permanently in the locker room. The big question here is can they balance their development? Guys like Harvey Pennard and Justin Barron and Jesse Ullinen playing meaningful minutes in games that are potentially going to get away from them. Losing these games isn't the issue. It's the manner in which they're going. They could potentially lose them. If these are hard fought, like four, three games where the Canadians just got outclassed by a more skilled team, you take that all day. If it's a game where you're getting blown out six, one, seven, one game after game, then you got to reassess how you're approaching things here a little bit. I do think that they're finding their groove in ice time for trade pieces. Young guys getting a chance to thrive and the, and the cornerstone pieces playing more. And that's important to what this, this group needs to do here. I, I honestly think in their next three games, if they go one, one and one, we'd be, we'd be laughing three points out of six. And that would be great. Uh, I do think they should beat Philadelphia. Ottawa's a total toss-up. Can they stay out of the box? Great. You'll probably beat the Ottawa Senators. Can't stay out of the box? You might as well just start packing the bus and get ready to go to the West Coast because then San Jose, LA, Anaheim, Vegas. Two lottery teams in there. Sorry, JD. Love you guys. But the Sharks aren't very good. The Ducks are terrible. Legitimately, like, worst team in the NHL. Bad. But in there, there's Los Angeles and Vegas. Two very good. I don't want to say very good, but much better teams than the other West Coast ones. And the, the caveat is the Canadians never play well on the West Coast. When they go through that three-game stretch, almost always lost to San Jose. L.A. was a toss-up, and then the Ducks was usually a win. L.A. should beat the Canadians. I think the Habs will beat the Ducks, and I do think San Jose... We're going to see a game like we saw against Chicago where it's just two bad teams playing and eventually one team is like, we're more bad than you, and then they lose and everyone moves on with their lives as we count draft lottery odds. 
I'm really interested to see because we're getting closer and closer to the trade deadline here. We're now two and a half, three weeks away here. If veterans are gone, what are they going to do to balance this lineup out? Are they expecting bodies back? Are they expecting bodies in? And that's kind of the toss up because I don't think they're going to get any immediate NHL help here. They're going to get bodies. They're not going to get great bodies back in that. But I think there's something coming down the pipeline in that regard. Maybe it's Jesse Pugliarvi. That'd be super dope. I'd be a big fan of that. But with Joel Edmondson not practicing right now uh, and obviously not making the trip, things get a little bit more complicated. However, if we're talking about defensemen, we're going to talk about the NCAA and one of their upcoming free agents announced today and how it relates to the Canadians and Sean Farrell and Kent Hughes. All that coming up next. We are back here at Lockdown Canadians. As always, please make sure you subscribe wherever you get your daily podcasts or on YouTube if you're watching My Shining Face tonight. Uh, the next episode you listen to will be our mailbag episode, so please send your mailbag questions at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. We'll have your game recap. We'll have your mailbag, and everybody goes into the weekend happy and joyous, hopefully, uh, except for hopefully Tom Dundon. I hope he's sad a lot because I'm a petty, petty person. We're going to take a look here at NCAA free agents and no, we're not worried about Sean Farrell and no, we're not worried about Jaden Struble. Maybe Eric Portillo, but we've talked about goaltenders in the past. Uh, we're talking about Henry Thrun here, uh, Anaheim Ducks draft pick from the 2019 NHL draft round four, 101st overall from Southboro, Massachusetts. And he spent the last, well, Three out of the four years playing at Harvard University. The one year he was not was because COVID shut it down. He went back to the USHL like Sean Farrell did. So he plays at Harvard with Sean Farrell. He is their team captain this year, 24 points in 24 games. He had 32 and 35 last year, and then he had 21 and 31 his freshman season there. Does not take a lot of penalties for a guy who is known for being a defensive defenseman. He defends a lot He's in the positives in terms of plus minus here, which I know is not a big thing, but he doesn't take a lot of penalties, which is the big thing here. He said today he is not expecting to sign with the Anaheim Ducks. He will go to free agency, which I believe I'm not sure when the deadline is, but basically his rights are likely up in a trade at this point that if a team wants them trade for his rights and try and sign him like Adam Fox, Jimmy VC, et cetera. And I think this is someone that the Canadians should potentially be looking at here. He's a left shot defenseman. And if you're going to be moving bodies out, okay. But the hard part is what do you do future wise on that left side? Because you've got your ghoulies, you've got your Jack eye, you've got Justin Barron, et cetera. Is there room for him right now in this season? Yes, because everybody is injured, unfortunately. And I think, he would not be an NHL regular next year, but I do think he'd be on that first call-up list here because I look at the Rocket are going to lose bodies. They always do. That's just the nature of minor league teams. Veterans move on, and some of the other guys graduate here, and I think William Trudeau and potentially Nicolas Baudin are going to be looking to make a push for an NHL spot next year. Trudeau is a longer shot than Baudin. I think I think Baudin has had a really um, a really nice renaissance with the Laval rocket here. And I look at Thrun and I go, okay, here's someone who can eat up those defensive minutes, can learn a lot about adjusting to the pro level, and then 
sign his entry level or not sign his entry level, but then hit the big time there. I don't think he's going to jump right into the NHL right away. I think that would be expecting too much, but I'm wondering if the Canadians are looking at this. And I say this because Kenton Hughes loves his Boston area schools. Obviously you got Jordan Harris signed up real quick. Sean Farrell's almost assuredly a done thing here. You got Lucas Condotta out of UMass Lowell last year. He keeps an eye on these schools. Obviously his son plays at Northeastern. He knows the Boston hockey market like the back of his hand. For God's sakes, he was Patrice Bergeron's agent. So for everyone going, ah, well, he clearly doesn't, you know, this doesn't make sense. He probably wants to play in the U.S. He turned down the Anaheim Ducks. He's from the U.S. Development Program where he would get to go play with Troy Terry and Trevor Zegras. This is a guy who, you know, didn't want to go play in Anaheim. Maybe he didn't see a path forward with Olin Zellweger and Pablo Minchikov in front of him. Totally fair. All due respect to Arbor Jack guy and Justin Barron. They're not Pavel Minchikov or Olin Zellweger. I mean, yeah, because they're in the NHL, but that's not the point. I do wonder if Hughes is looking at this and going, okay, I've gotten to watch the run play a lot, watching Sean Farrell, watching him play Northeastern in the bean pot and everything too. I can't help but think that he's looking at this and going, that seems like a good idea to me. I don't know who else is really going to be on a major NCA free agency list. Um, Eric Portillo is obviously up there. That Sabres one we've talked about ad nauseum at this point. But I, I think this is something that if you're Kent Hughes, you at least have to try. You've got extra draft picks. You know he's not going to sign with Anaheim. He openly said that. That came from Lisa Dillman, who covers the Anaheim Ducks out in Orange County. That it's confirmed that he's not a risk of going and being like, ah, actually, I want to sign with the Ducks. Doesn't want to go there. I can't help but think this is like the perfect opportunity for the Canadians to maybe swipe someone from another team here. It adds to their prospect pool, and it's like, okay, stick him in the AHL and let him start there. And if it's not working, okay, you're going to be bad for another year anyways. Who cares? See if you can't make this work. Because the Canadians, quite frankly, don't have a defensive defenseman deep in their system here. A lot of their guys project as more puck-moving options. Justin Barron, Logan Mayu, Lane Hudson especially. Jaden Struble could potentially fit that role, but I think his aggressiveness uh, uh, resigns him more towards being an offensively-minded defenseman. Um Adam Engstrom's a good puck mover as well, but I look at their prospect depth here and I go, I don't see a guy who is going to eat up those penalty kill minutes. A Joel Edmondson light, basically. Can they find their Joel Edmondson? Arbor Jack, I can be that guy, but I think, again, he has that aggressive mindset that allows him to move up, and Jordan Harris kind of fits the role a little bit, but again, very good skater, which is also like who the style of game that Thrun plays. And I think adding someone who has good intelligence, good skating, knows how to keep their gaps properly is something I would want on this team. And Kent Hughes knows because he's watched him. I guarantee he's watched him a lot because he's been watching Sean Farrell and other players here. So it's not a, oh, well, he doesn't want us playing in the U.S. or he doesn't want to do that. It's, of course, he, you know, he wants to bet on himself. And from what Ducks fans have told me, it's not that he isn't good enough for a contract. It's that their pipeline is clogged with top overall picks that came in in the last couple of years as they've been rebuilding their own franchise here. I don't know if the Canadians are a better fit overall or if he's even interested in the slightest. If he's not, 
that's fine. I think the least the Canadians can do is inquire about uh, Henry Thrun here. Just because I look at this, it's it, it's too appealing to not at least try, basically. Uh, you know, he's fourth on the team in scoring behind Sean Farrell, Alex Laferriere, and Matthew Coronado. And ahead of Leafs draft pick Joe Miller uh, in less games played. I, I don't see the downside here to at least trying it, you know? You're, if you're Kent Hughes, your entire thing is about loading up on prospects and draft picks and everything else. So I, I'm a big fan of at least taking a look and seeing if they can't acquire Henry Thrun cheap and see if they can get him signed up. I'm sure Kent Hughes likely has a very hasn't a, a direct line to him, you know, talking to Sean Farrell about that. Uh, if he's talked to Sean Farrell about this and he's watched him play, he knows exactly what he's going to be getting. I think at this point. So you can sound off in the comments or let us know on Twitter what you think uh, at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter. Please send us your mailbag questions. I realized I forgot to put my name back up here too. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott Matla on uh, as well. My co-host who was off for that, you can follow at the active stick. Uh, if you want to send us longer mailbag questions, uh, LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. Folks, thank you so much for listening and we will see you all next time.